and welcome to the Big Red Podcast. We are here to help you navigate the crazy world of change, growth, and the occasional office freakout. Join us for a lighthearted yet informative take on how to scale your company and career without going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So grab a cup of coffee, take a deep cleansing breath, and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another yet even more mouth-breathing edition of the Big Red Podcast. Uh, we hope you've returned from the the previous episodes you listened to. Before we get started, real quick, I do want to give a shout out to Tristan's mom who's listening from oh, home. <laughs> Excited. What's up, girl? What's your mom's name, Tristan? Linda. Her name is Linda. Lin- Linda. I love that. Linda, girl, how you doing? Welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing it out. We're excited to see you at the bake sale. Uh, I will say it's going to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like I can't swear because Tristan's mom is listening. But what's exciting about that is that means we have four followers on our podcast now. Three being the folks here on this podcast and now Tristan's mom, which is extremely exciting for me. So uh, she's just so damn proud of her little boy is all I know. So Tristan, Tristan's mom. Shout You're out. Making me blush. You let, yeah, I was gonna say, let it be. Let the record know that Tristan is blushing. <laughs> and he, yeah, all the way, like, cause he's bald, uh-huh. so at the top of the head, like, there's a, there's like a three. You've heard of 360 degree feedback loops. <laughs> Tristan's is, is his skull. <laughs> I'd like to note that there is hair on my head. It's just very thin. I don't believe you. That's a lie. <laughs> don't lie in front of your mother. Uh, so with that in mind, let's talk about feedback in general. It's a huge part of so what support operations does, right? We've talked, uh, I think, in the last episode a little bit about uh, feedback programs and how that mm-hmm. kind of keeps us yep. also being in front of customers rather than just purely operational. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about feedback. From who? Do we care? Does it matter? Why do we give a shit? Should you give a shit as a leader? Should you give a shit as a frontline person? Talk to me about feedback. Um, for me, for me, feedback is interesting. I love to hear the bad feedback. I honestly, it's weird. I don't care too much about the good feedback. But when I'm talking to like a customer um, or somebody I'm, I'm helping or whatever it is, I want to hear the bad stuff. I want to hear what we can fix or I can make better. If well, I'm, I'm not glad hearing- that you mentioned it because you're. I, now I'm going to give you some feedback. I think you're a terrible person. Perfect. And I'm just glad yeah, we can get that out true. there, right? He says he likes the bad stuff. So there you go. And I'm just not sure how to fix that though. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the important stuff to me is understanding what – myself or what an organization I belong to is doing wrong so that we can make it better. Tristan, let me ask you this since you're just super, super captain feedback, right? You're like, just tell me the bad man. I can handle it. <laughs> Have you always been that way? Just feedback doesn't no. bother you. Cause I can speak personally for myself. Um, I can be a bit defensive, right? I'm working through it with a lot of therapy. Got a whole NASCAR pit crew keeping this shit show running. But, uh, you know, sometimes people, I take things a little personally. So how do you not do that? If it's, whether it's you're on the phone taking a call and someone's like, you guys suck. Or you've got a manager saying like, hey, you didn't handle this correctly or the product or X, Y, and Z. Like, how do you keep it from being personal and being defensive? Yeah, that's a great question. And I wasn't always like that, right? I, I Early in my career, you, I used to take things very personal, right? But now but you're then you, to two teenagers. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's part of it. Or it's my wife constantly saying, stop taking something personal. I don't know. but You just know you're always going to be the asshole. So you're like, ah, whatever. I'm not going to fight I, it. I think it's like I've, I've come to the conclusion that no matter what I do, it's I'm still going to be the asshole. But I think at the end of the day, it just comes from experience and, and understanding that I mean, we've all been there probably. We've all had to give some bad news to Mm -hmm. somebody, right, or give some bad feedback. And 
in my head, I'm always trying to approach it as I'm trying to help, right? Even if it's bad news. So I've just kind of tried to stick to that mentality in the last, I don't know, call it 10 years or whatever. So do you see the bad feedback? You're, you don't really feel like it's you're being told something negative or that it's it's emotionally Correct. bad. You're just saying, hey, this is a, a problem and I'm here to fix it. So it's it's a good thing. It's, not, yeah, it's an opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're fixers. So it's, it's an opportunity. Shit, yeah, I'm seeing them as opportunities to fix something. Yeah. Hey, that's really motivating. I mean, how do you so it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember early on in my career on the front line, like if customers called in upset, I always took it well, not always, that's that's a generalization, but I would often take it as a like a well, I didn't do anything, why are you blaming me? I'm oh. not the person that did this. Why are you yelling at me? Yeah. Let's that's a big one. Um, there's a great book out there called Tribal Leadership that really tries to tackle that. Um, that's an organizational failure as much as it is anything else, because if you've got a really strong leader that's prepping you for those calls and teaching you like, look, this is never about what you've done. It's about the organization, yada, yada, yada. That's a huge one. I had that leadership way back in my my early training. Um and even then, like I still take things personally, especially when they're when they're like, you know, you catch that it, it's something you did wrong as an individual contributor, right? You made a mistake, and then you end up talking to him again later. So yeah, sure, I feel really bad about those, um, and I feel bad when the customer is telling me I did something wrong. Um, but uh, I, I think the you can't. Um, you can't just take on the like ownership, the responsibility of feeling bad because your manager is also responsible for framing things and giving you the foundation to make sure that, that you understand where that feedback is coming from and what it's supposed to do. I think another thing that I had to learn early on is that feedback is not like a, okay, person, I'm going to give you some feedback right now. Are you ready? <laughs> feedback is just a natural, in, it's just a natural conversation. I'm, you know, talking and listening. If I hear something, if a customer says something, I need to be cognizant enough to go like, oh, that's feedback they're giving. Like, this is something I can take mm -hmm. and then tell somebody else and maybe we can make things better. I think we just get so we can, it's very easy to get focused, especially if you're on the phones that like, take the next call, take the next call, take the next call, rather than looking at the, at the whole picture of like, no, this person said this, that's a piece of feedback, not just a, a random throwaway sentence that was said on the phone. Right. That's, a, that's a very good point. And because you're right, a customer or anybody, anybody for that matter, if they're giving you feedback, they're not necessarily telling you what problems to fix or problems to solve. When you're listening, you're talking to a person, you can, you can hear them get disgruntled or, Oh, not this again. And then you can kind of dig into, well, you know, why, why are you so upset about that? You know, how is this happening? And then you get some more details about that and you're organically getting that feedback. Yeah. Good point. It sounds like we're trying to, in a lot of ways, define feedback. Hmm. So, um, we've, uh, let me reframe the question. Um, is there more than one way for an organization to define customer feedback? Yes. <laughs> well, Lindsay, help me understand that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm scratching my <laughs> okay. head here. So a lot, and here's what I'm driving at. A lot of organizations make the mistake of picking one feedback channel. And mm. that's all they listen to. But there's a lot of great CSAT tools out there. There's a lot of great transactional surveys, things like net promoter score you can look at, et cetera. So 
what I was going to like, what I drive in, what I'm driving is I think that when we think, when we say feedback to a lot of people think like either getting chewed out on the phone or their CSAT results, but feedback can take all kinds of different forms and come through all different kinds of channels. I think some people don't even think of getting chewed out on the phone as feedback. It took me a while to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're saying something to you. It's, it's not just being a right. dick to be a dick. Although sometimes they are, but there's still feedback, right? There's still stuff mm -hmm. to be learned there. I think one thing that I've seen recently in the news, there was, I think it was Uber CEO and then Starbucks CEO got all this press because they're like, went and drove for Uber and worked in yeah. the store for a weekend, oh, yeah. right? Worked the front line, which we've always talked about. You have mm -hmm. to work the front line to get understand what's going on. Like that's where you get the true feedback. And I, I, I think that that's everyone should be doing that. It's like an old saying back in the hospitality industry. You always walk the what is it? Walk the grounds? Is that what they mm -hmm. say? It where you basically just go through the experience of staying at that hotel. Mm -hmm. It's not a new thing, but it's. I thought it was very interesting that suddenly everyone's like, "Oh my god, the guy from Uber drove for Uber." What? Do you think that that was he learned that both of them figured out they had to do that because of feedback from internally or externally? I don't know, actually. I'm surprised it took this long. Full disclosure, I've worked in some of these industries, actually both of those industries now that I'm thinking about it. And I, I remember driving before I had that opportunity and after and during, mm -hmm. just so I understood the pain points of the people that were driving. Because the, then, trust me, you can hear all day from a from the user base like, oh, this app sucks. But then when you're on a ride and you've got somebody in the back of the car, you're trying to get them to where they need to be and they're yelling at you because you took the wrong street because the navigation app doesn't work, mm -hmm. you're going to change it, right? Because it's the, then it's real, it's tangible, it means something to you. So any it, like any leader that's interested in feedback, shadow the front line for a little while. Do yep. it yourself. You're going to learn real quick what is what what you need to listen to, what you don't need to listen to, mm -hmm. what's, what's low-hanging fruit and what's must-haves, table stakes. That's very true. I always thought of those as publicity stunts, though. I don't know. I, mean, I generally do, too. Um, yeah. But, like... There's a we, TV show. What's the... Sorry, Dallas. What's oh, the... Undercover no, Boss. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah, that's all reality. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's yeah. all bullshit, but yes. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, right, we're not supposed to be, like, we're not... Uh, this isn't for the CEO, so it's an interesting, like, example. But talking to those mid-level managers that maybe didn't start at the front line or maybe started at the front line in a different industry or a different job, Absolutely. Go spend time with your, with the people that the tier one, the tier two, the folks that are taking the calls and the early escalations, figure out what it feels like, figure out what the customers feel by how they sound, things like that. Um, and that, that kind of ties back into what I was saying about feedback methods and methodology. Don't just rely on your CSAT scores because you're only getting a tiny little sample size. Don't just rely on, on NPS because, again, your sample size is generally pretty small. Um, go spend, you know, eight hours twice a month, right, on the, on the phones. Get an entire shift in. See the gamut. It'll completely change your perspective. And customer advisory boards are huge. Get, get your user base in a room or virtually in a room and just talk to them. Mm -hmm. Have the product team there. Have everybody else. It's so, it's so funny because I've seen this in other industries and other areas where it's almost like people aren't necessarily interested in having those kind of activities like customer advisory boards mm -hmm. or NPS programs because they don't want their 
I maybe some subconsciously worried that they're going to have to be like, they're going to get bad feedback and they just don't even yeah. want to deal with it. So like yep. they want to like, I will have a cab, but I want to make sure we have only the customers that I know love us mm-hmm. and that they haven't had any issues and that recently renewed. Like, no, that's not who you want to talk to. Those guys are yeah. fine. Talk to the people that all just scored you really low on the, on the seaside or like talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like that's where you're going to make the biggest impact. And I think there's this hesitancy from mid managers or kind of anywhere to like truly just sit down and be like, I'm not here to, say to listen to you and then give you proof points as to why you're wrong. I'm just here to listen. Let's just talk and have a conversation and maybe we can come to an understanding and agreement. It's so rare that people do that. And then how do you, but then how do you scale that? Right. That's also an interesting conundrum. I don't necessarily have the answer to, but I think people are just not open to going into those conversations because they're afraid of being vulnerable and being called to the carpet for something they don't have an answer to because it's okay to not have an answer. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. They're afraid. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. They're afraid. Um, and I think because, you, you know, you said you said the stakes earlier, the stakes are high for a lot of managers, um, because if they've been bypassing bad feedback and it gets to the point where people are, you know, screaming at them like a, like you would pro- potentially get in a customer advisory board where people are really, you know, kind of fed up with things. There's a there's a back of their mind implicit I've been ignoring this problem so bad that it's gotten to where it's a systemic issue. Um, so again, grabbing onto bad feedback early on is how you avoid having so many customers that you could have a cab where everybody is unhappy. Um, so I think that's something that's, that also drives leaders to be afraid of those bigger conversations that can be very, very difficult. It happens even with internal feedback as well, right? Mm-hmm. It couldn't totally happen. But I think if, if, if somebody's interested in how things are going, but they don't want to necessarily do any reputational damage by having like customers sit in front of them and say, Hey, you suck. And I think your hair is lame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just projecting, uh, do an, <laughs> internal, one. Yeah. <laughs> do an <laughs> internal one. Uh, we worked just one, you know, years ago, Dallas and I were at the same place and, uh, we had what we ended up calling the Jedi council. Mm-hmm. And what it was, was we got, we, it was, it was that same place I've talked about before where there was just some organizational shifts that need to happen. It was, you know, some, some, some struggle points. And then some people got put into a position of power to make some big impact. But we had, you know, like 10 pods of folks and each Mm -hmm. month, one person had to go represent their pod at the Jedi council with the leadership and just bring all your complaints, filter them Mm -hmm. through that pot, that one person in the pod. And let's just talk about it. Sometimes the answer was no, we're not going to do that, but here's why. Now you go back and tell your pod and explain to them why the answer is no, or, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Let's, let's do this. And what was really amazing about that is it started out real hot and heavy. It took about a good 18 sessions. So like 18 months of doing these things to where, the, the beginning of the conversations were like, oh, we hate this place because we can't do X, Y, and Z. By the 18th or so Jedi Council, 18 months later, the only thing that someone brought up is, uh, so I talked to the team and uh, we need more uh, metal forks in the uh, in the break room. And I was <laughs> like, my job here is fucking done yep. because if your biggest complaint is that you don't have enough metal forks, oh my God, I got you, dude. We'll take care of that. No problem. Hands down. We have won the game. If that's you talk to your entire team and that's the only complaint they have that they want management to know, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, – there's so much power in that because you were willing to slog through 18 months of that. And it doesn't have to be the entire organization. If you have a team of 10 people, do yeah, your own. Preach. 
Just mm-hmm. it's at your own little neck of the woods, your own little piece. You do that. You do that, and the ripple effect will will ex- will expand out. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be a CEO to do this. If you have a team of people, or if you're on a team and you have people, ask your manager. Would you be willing to do this? Is this something that you're interested in? See what happens. But I think you also have to set proper expectations, right? Like change doesn't happen overnight. <clears throat> You're going to have these these feedback loops and feedback from internal or external people, and change doesn't happen overnight. Just it just doesn't. It can't. Yeah. Well, setting yeah. expectations is set is key. But there was a lot of there was things that people went in there with, and we were like, no, absolutely not. That's not happening. But here's why. Yeah. And you can mm-hmm. tell people this is the why. This is the, this, no, we're not going to not. <laughs> partner with that person anymore because the logo means more to our business than the headache, right? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? If you explain the why, for the most part, people will understand. Mm-hmm. It's when they yeah. feel like they're not getting the information, that's when they feel unheard and that's where the problem starts. Yep. Preach. For me personally, um, I just want to feel heard and I want to feel included. So you hit the nail on both heads. If I go and I say, look, I'm unhappy about X and you say you're not going to get X, but I'll give you Y. And then it also explain the Y behind Y. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, are we doing GI? What are we doing? Algebra? So, I don't even know. Maybe Fun it seems fact, like I almost calculus. said, are we doing geography? Fuck I you. I literally slide. almost said that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's you. You got it right there, man. Even, <laughs> even up at the C-suite level. Right. Everybody, we're humans. We want to be part of it. So loop me in and tell me why you're going to tell me no. Yeah. Same thing with customers, right? The giving them that feedback. Mm -hmm. And it all goes back to something we talked about previously is like honesty and just just being honest with people really does go a long way. Preach. Yeah. Thank God for singing. Honesty and transparency. Um, you know, something I've learned on escalations over the years, it's really um, become it's become one of my secret strengths um, or secret sauces is just saying, like, look, this is why you've presented us with a business problem and we are responding with a business reason of no. And just tell them what the reason is generally. And this is more true for, for folks that are in the BTV realm. Generally people that are also working on a, on solving their business problem will be understanding when you say no. Right now it gets a little bit different when we're talking about feedback over technological problems, because those are even harder to change and harder to influence no matter what level you're at. Right changing people's minds about a business problem is a hell of a lot easier than going in and like rebuilding a major tool. It's my point. Um, so I said all that to say, keeping people included and telling them your customers, even when you think like, Oh man, maybe I should play my cards closer to the chest. Just be there, be honest, be open, be transparent. And that's how you create long lasting partnership level relationships. I, wholeheartedly agree. One of the pain points I think any organization anyone has with feedback is how do you get people to engage? They'll always tell you when they're mm. pissed. When a customer's happy, they're not going to call and be like, hey man, I'm having a great day. You guys fucking rock. Right? It's not going to happen. How do you, I know if I've struggled at places where I can't get the engagement rate. Yeah. To get it. They, they say they say you want to aim for like a 25% engagement rate. I've been lucky to get 12. So maybe I'm yeah. doing it wrong, but what are some, some keys, some tactics to get that engagement rate going? Send me cookies. 
You think so? I like I like picking up the phone, just yeah. trying to talk to a person. Yeah, not in a bad way, not to like lock them into the conversation, but at least even start, you know, some other type of conversation of talking a different date if they didn't have the time or whatever. But I I think phone calls are still powerful. Another way to get uh, that does help sometimes is be more targeted with what you're trying to get with your feedback yes. programs, right? Rather yeah, than just being true. like, hey, I mean, that's NPS is great. It's, you know, it's one question. How do you, on a scale of zero to 10, how likely are you to recommend X to a, a friend or colleague? That's great. But if you want to engage, right, get really specific, right? What do you think about this product? Or what do you think about our support or yes. whatever? Like getting super specific tends to raise the engagement rate because it's, you're getting the you're targeting and trying to answer a specific question rather than a general feeling. So sometimes it's good to have a, a diverse mm-hmm. feedback program to do all of that. And there's a part of that too is is how you let them answer the question. Um, so it's really important to have a text box there that they can freeform, but give them a structured answer: a one through ten, five stars, seven stars, six elephants, whatever you want it to be. The key is, is that everybody answers that one part of the question the same way to give you a a cohesive and comprehensive data set that you can compare against and then use the subjective text box to expand and understand the feelings behind those ratings. So now I'm going to put you guys on the spot. How often do you as consumers actually fill out those surveys? Every time. Do you really, you little fucking yep. boy scout? I, yeah, nerd Dude, alert. I can show you my, my kudos wall, right? Like that was, so I used to get for every kudos I got from a customer, I got a hundred bucks. Um, and I was averaging yeah. two and three a month for like two years. It was a consistent, it became a reliable source of income. I have no idea what is on the other side. But one thing I do know is that every time you give a five star, it helps. Every time you give a four star, it hurts. Big time. Big time. Five stars or don't rate. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I will definitely give bad feedback because I, I, every time, I, if I have a yeah, bad experience, it's definitely feedbacks going there. But it also depends. Like I got a survey recently for some experience we had at a, um, a car dealership, my wife and I. Two or three questions, no problem. Filled it out. Um, gave all the five stars I needed to. I got a follow-up survey from the manufacturer that kind of looked suspicious. I had to validate if it was real, blah, blah, blah. It ended up – it was like 25, 30 questions I found out. That's too didn't many. Didn't even touch it. Yeah. It's yeah, way too many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the – there's the, there's the key. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You send shorter email or shorter survey to get some kind of gauge of understanding. If you have more questions, pick the phone up. Mm-hmm. Have a team – that gets that information and picks them up. But that's another thing that's super huge for anyone that's got feedback programs. You got to do something with it. You got to let the customer know, the person know like, Hey, we heard you. We know it sucks to fill these out and you did it. So this is what we're doing with it. Yes. Do you guys feel that you don't get response back from companies anymore based on survey feedback? I never do. I never do. Yeah. I used to, I used Mm -hmm. to be able to get a call or an email, like checking up on a survey I did if I gave three stars or one star or whatever. I don't get it anymore. I don't get anything anymore. It's probably because it's all automated. I, I yeah. Nobody's looking yeah. at it because I don't yeah. think people or industries or organizations it's, yeah, it's think it's a aspect. value add necessarily. Even the analytics staff. are automated. You know, it just spits out into a like a Power BI report or something like that. And people are just looking at graphs. They're not looking at individual answers. They're not seeking to understand it intellectually, emotionally. They're just relying on snapshots. 
well, then I feel unheard. Like as a consumer, mm-hmm. you know, or a customer, I'm, I, yeah, I'll try to not do business with you. It's Tristan, to your point, that's the only reason I give the five stars is so I don't like I don't make the agent's life harder. Um, I don't really care what the business does with the data, how they analyze it. I'm just trying to keep the poor jerk employed. For five stars, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, but yeah, I don't expect said, anything. But if I'm giving like a one star or two right. star, like. Let's oh, talk. I re- it takes a lot for me to give a low rating. Yeah, even, oh, if, I have oh, a sh- even if I have yeah. a shitty experience, I won't mm-hmm. do it because I know I've worked in those industries before where yep. nobody checks to see what happened or who's at fault. Yep. The agent gets fucking hammered for that. Yep. Yeah. I'll escalate before I'll, I'll rate poorly. Um, but this is for what we're talking about is a very specific subset, too, of ratings and interactions. So a good example is like on an Amazon product, right? When they, when they send you that Amazon, like, Hey, would you rate this product? And I don't, I'm not happy with it. Yeah. Then sure. I'll give you a four stars because like I was happy with parts of it, but the handle was cheaply made. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, I think it's an interesting like distinction. So I will, I will rate openly and honestly products and services, but I, for a human interaction, I'll be much more generous. And I don't think I've ever thought of that and said it out loud before. Oh, absolutely. I wonder, so I'm wondering how, like, we're a little, we're all older than than we would like (laughs) to admit. Um, I wonder if how, uh, I think we're technically millennials, actually. I think last I Googled it, we're still technically millennials. I think we're geriatric millennials. Thanks for Uh that. Uh, But we're millennials (laughs) nonetheless. I wonder how the next generation feels. Because people always talk about um, them being, like, very much more sensitive to certain things. I wonder if, do you think the feedback has increased or decreased? Like, like Tristan, like your kids, do you think they're going to fill a survey out? Like what, do they give a shit? Do they have expectations? I don't think they would. I just, I don't think they, at least right now, they don't understand how that affects that person that gave them that service. Mm-hmm. So they would just make bad. a TikTok video about it. Like, oh, my God, Probably. you guys, let me tell you about this thing. I had to work three days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sounds about right. It was awful. That is awful. About right. Five days in a row is the worst. I three know. days in a row is just awful. I know. Fucking <laughs> terrible. Um, okay, so we've, we've talked a lot about feedback, right, and how you give it and et cetera. How do we action it? What do you do with it? So we've collected it. We've analyzed it. Now what? Now you just you you collect, you analyze, you bucket, and you start attacking. And keep your promises. If you're talking to someone, you're telling them things are going to change, this is going to mm-hmm. get fixed or that or whatever it may be. If you're making a promise to someone or telling them something, you got to make sure something your happens. Your feedback yeah. program, whether you want to invest in it or not, is your number one source of churn prevention. Period. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. The lessons you learn, even if the customers you've already pissed off left, will you can apply those to everybody that's still there and save a ton of your existing revenue. So it's worth investing in. Mm-hmm. People just don't necessarily see it like that. I 100% like I think you hit the nail on the head. If there's one person that's telling you it's bad, there's probably five other people that are experiencing a similar problem. So if you can solve it for them, you've solved it for for more people. Somebody we've worked for several times, he said something I've learned a lot from. Say what you're going to do, do what you say, and then go back and tell them what you did. That's huge. That's the feedback loop, closing it all the way. That's the thing, though. It's one of those. It's kind of like you can't unsee it. It's like you take the red pill or the blue mm-hmm. pill. Like you can never go back. Yeah. If you start yep. doing feedback conversations with your customers, you can't just let. The, you just can't be like, oh, well, that was shiny yes. when that specific product was on fire. Never do it again. Like you have to continually do it. Once you open that door, mm-hmm. the customers' expectations have now changed. They expect to be heard. 
right? So you got to make sure you're ready to deliver on those expectations of being heard. Yeah, hell yeah. And if you're not delivering, um, especially if you promise an outcome, you might as well have never asked the question. And oh, not it's only that, worse. It's you've probably it worse. Yeah, it worse. And never give timelines. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to give a timeline to a customer that you have to stick to in, in, in that type of feedback yeah. scenario. Under promise and over deliver as well. Yeah. And if you know you can achieve, say, 10 out of the items that you've got to go fix, maybe promise five. Right. Because then you look like a hero when you deliver 10. I wouldn't even promise five. You, you can't. So in my head, like if I well, listen, grumpy old, get off my lawn. Yeah. Look, if, if, if I'm the one fixing those problems, if I can make that change mm-hmm. myself, I'll promise whatever I can do. But if I'm having to rely on other people, that's true. Like some, sometimes yeah. decisions are made above my head that I have no influence on it. And I don't, I don't want to have to go back to this customer and say, look, I promised you this, but this isn't happening. I'd rather have the conversation of, look, we talked about this. I presented it to our team members. And unfortunately we can't do this because of X, Y, Z. No, you're, you're right. Yeah. Never make a promise. It's not backed up by your leadership. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that. I've made that mistake and put my foot in my mouth. Um, Tell me more. I want to hear about this. <laughs> okay. Um, the uh, the job I had in between where I wasn't working for you, Lindsay, for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, Likely story. I know. I Dare was um, one of the, the, what we were doing, it was e-commerce. And um, when a company would get a little bit bigger, they'd want to kind of contract with our services and we would help kind of bring them out of like, you know, somebody that was like doing drop shipping out of their apartment and, and they want to like, I want a real storefront online and I want to sell this. I maybe want to sell like craft products now like that. Right. So they'd come to us, we get them all set up. We get them set up with domains, uh, the whole, we'd move them over to Google suites to pull all their email addresses and productivity tools, blah, 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 blah. Um, we had a customer that called in and um, I'd been working with them for a while and they were having some problems exporting emails and I promised them it could be done and then I would take care of it. I lost them all. I had exported them and I don't know where they went. They were gone. Oh no. And Uh-oh. before I realized that I had closed the account that they were on um, at a web host called, well, I'll leave their name. No, out no, of it, not no they names. Were, yeah, they were, they were a very, very big web host um, that also offered email services. So I had already closed the account and I knew how the back end of that worked. And I knew that it had been too long and I knew that data was gone. And I tried and tried and tried it, but it was gone. And I had promised that customer up and down that we would do anything, move any mountain to do it. So when I went to talk to my boss, like I've, I've exhausted everything I can, but I just, I need you to help me with this. I know that that data is sitting out there on a server somewhere. They just don't want to go and find it and decrypt it out of an older backup. And he was like, I'm not asking a favor for somebody that pays us. It was the equivalent of like $300 a month. He was like, I'm not asking that kind of favor for this customer. Like we have customers that spend $30,000 a month for these kind of services. Um, and it was just like, well, fuck. So I had to go back and, and tell that customer, like, like the last three years of all your transaction history, all your emails with customers, it's all gone. And I, it's my fault. Um, and they were brokenhearted. I like, I wrecked part of their business and that was that. I never heard from them again because they canceled all their services and yeah. Do you ever wake, so. you ever wake up like in cold sweats 
just thinking about it. Like I lost all their emails. Oh dear God. The screaming. No. The screaming. <laughs> um you know it'll it'll stick with me that feeling for a long time. Um it's like up there with, you know, you know, talking shit about that lady, you know, behind her back. Yeah. To We're just going to have Dallas's embarrassing corner. Yeah, exactly. like he just tells us whatever he's done that just really pissed people off. So yeah, those are the moments where it's, um, where I, I hurt somebody personally that I, that I remember. And that one I do because this individual, it was their livelihood. It was their business. It was everything they had done. I, so I said that to say, if this had been a big company, you know, and I'd done that and be like, well, you should have thought of it. You should have had backups. You should have had insurance you know, pound sand It's a business obligation to not rely on just me. And so did you do that? It was just like a normal interaction and you just like took it upon yourself to do all of those things. Or was this as a result of feedback that they gave you? The feedback came at the very, very end. And it was, as I sat and reviewed the feedback, how badly I had screwed up that the kind of the magnitude and enormity of what I had really done set in. And that's when it turned into this lifelong career long lesson that's altered the way I go about everything I do and I don't move as fast. I think things through, I seek peer feedback, et cetera. Well, you don't move as fast because our hips are not at, like what they used to be. Oh, speaking I'm of being all short, back in my day, <laughs> call that an oldie locks alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was, I'm just curious. And uh, how did the, your manager react to that? Cause in, 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 that's a glaring opportunity for him or her to give you some feedback. How did that go? So it was very much a, like a quick, have you learned from this? Yes. Okay. Let's move on then. So I know that the three of us actually, I just realized we have this in common, but all of our dads, shout out, happy father's day to those fathers out there. Yeah. Um, had at one point or another, small businesses of their own. Mm-hmm. Feedback oh. is very personal at that point. Yeah. Did you ever see your, your parents reacting in the business? Like how did they handle it when it was like, like it's a bit, when it's a small business, feedback is a big yeah. make or break paying the rent kind of deal. Did you ever see good, bad, or otherwise from any of those 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 gentlemen when they would get it's feedback? Interesting you bring that up. Yeah, I've, I've seen the, I've seen mm-hmm. the good, I've seen the bad. Yeah, for sure. Oh, interesting. Especially a small business too. A lot of it is like word of mouth, where you know, yeah. as you're getting new business and stuff like that. Um, so I guess really going above and beyond and t- and taking that feedback seriously was was very important. Yeah. Yeah. My mom did something pretty interesting. Um, so they owned a flower shop. My dad focused on the retail side. And my mom did the wedding side. Um, she would take her top 10 brides every year. Um, and um, the ones that were willing, which are usually the, you know, the ones she'd really knocked out of the park, of course. Um, and she would hook them up with other brides from like the new year um, to kind of like mentor them. Right. Oh. That's cute. And I think that was an, was an absolutely phenomenal use of feedback. Conversely, the brides where something went wrong, which wasn't frequently, but when it went wrong, dude, it's such a bad day for it to go wrong on, you know? Yeah. And it was usually like during one of those summer heat waves. And by yeah. the time they were walking up, their bouquet was toast, something like wah, that. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you know, my mom with the, on the retail side, standing order of flower delivery every month for a year until their anniversary. And then they get one huge 
you know, last final. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, so what oh, he, nice. she made it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So this bride had beautiful flowers on her table on her anniversary day every month for a year. And then one knockout one on the last, like on their actual anniversary. That's a good year. move. Right. That's a great yeah. move. Yeah. So wow. it was stuff like that. Um, whereas my dad... He wasn't so great at receiving bad feedback. <laughs> I, I saw him once a husband had come in really pissed off because, and now maybe the mistake wasn't so accidental that I'm reviewing and thinking about it out loud, but the girlfriend's flowers went to the wife and the wife's girlfriend's <gasps> wife's flowers went to the girlfriend. Oh, Cards a scandal. Tell me yeah. more. Oh, um, man. And he came in just pissed off. I'm getting a divorce because of you. Da, 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 da. Yes, but, it was the yeah. flower it man's the flower. Yeah. That yeah. was his fault <laughs> that you're getting a divorce. I think that tracks completely. Yeah. yeah. My dad had to, um, that was one where my dad, like, instead of de escalating, he escalated because he was so, like, upset about it. Um, and that was one where, so like, that's, that's the example in extremists, right? But he was never good at taking that bad feedback, de-escalating the interaction and turning it into a positive reaction because he'd get defensive. He'd say, well, there would be a lot of yeah, buts. Mm. If you're yeah, butting feedback, you're, you're going down the wrong path. You're not listening. Right. Not listening. Yeah. I'm trying to remember with my dad, if, if he did and my father for a, a period of time, uh, owned and ran a small engine repair shop. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I would hear sometimes he would get a little heated with some people, but nine times out of 10, I mean, people were, he was great. He listened mm-hmm. to all that stuff. Like, I mean, he's, he was the kind of mechanic that you'd take the lawnmower into and be ready to pay 300 bucks. And he'd be like, you didn't put gas in it. Here's some free gas. Have a nice day. Right. right. Like that was who my dad was. But I, I, I'm trying to remember if he ever got like super heated, but I was really young. I was like 10, 11, 12. So I don't know that I really was listening because it mm-hmm. didn't, wasn't interesting to me. But um, I do remember him definitely understanding the importance of what others say with regards to his bottom line. He knew mm-hmm. that he could have charged that person that brought in the lawnmower that had no gas. He could have charged him 50 bucks for even looking at it, but he didn't because he knew that that person would remember Oh, hey, I'm going to go to that person's shop because right. I went in there and it was wrong. And they didn't fix. They he just told me everything's fine and gave me some free gas and moved on with the day. So I think feedback in 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 weird ways like that, I think he he picked up on. I'm trying to remember if I I can't imagine. I mean, very similar to my dad. I'm, I can't imagine he wasn't getting personally upset when people would say things didn't go right because I know I do sometimes and have in the past. But my dad was very similar yeah. too in that like. <clears throat> When it escalate things was very much a, you know, like a yes man, like, yep, we'll, we'll fix next time or yep, mm-hmm. you're right, whatever it is, and then try to address it. But I think he held a lot of it in too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, just like, just like what you said, he probably did take it personal, but didn't let it show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's something that is really, Tristan, that's so important. You can be as professional and awesome on the phone or in that moment as you need to be. But if you're still feeling bad about it, you have to find some way to process and deal with those feelings. And don't be like our generation who either ate their feelings or, or smoked their feelings or drank their feelings. I feel you know personally I mean? attacked because I, I do all three say, of yeah. those things. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking them. Drink I'm, my feelings, kick yeah, my dog, yell right at my now. wife. So, <laughs> this is, trust me, I'm talking to myself as much as everybody else. 
I, I do always like to say that if I have a bad day, because it happens, I mean, you can't take some of this feedback mm-hmm. and still live a happy-go-lucky, smiley life. I, I do say like my support system around me, mainly my wife, takes a brunt of that. That's true. <laughs> Do yeah, she need some help? If I'm in a, if I have like a bad day, I'm in Tell a bad mood. Tell her to walk mood. behind uh, the camera and blink twice yeah. if she needs help. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I usually just I'm usually not in the greatest of moods, and it gets taken out on on her. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about it when I reflect back. Like the customers that really got under my skin, it was because my bucket was full. I just couldn't yeah. take it. It was too much. It was the drop that made everything overflow. I guess Same. We'll call it, yeah. So I, I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. Just what do they say? Self-care, meditate, breathe, right. have hobbies that bring you passion. I don't know. Start a podcast where you can talk to two <laughs> bald idiots and just uh, pontificate that nobody let uh, Tristan's mom listens to. You know what Lindsay, I mean? Lindsay, calling yourself a bald idiot is no way to speak about yourself. You have a I'm wonderful head of hair. Two of those things are true. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the math didn't equal out on that one. <laughs> the geometry. Two of those things are true. Wait a second. That was a wonderful uh, cell phone, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> my life is full of cell phonings. <laughs> Oh my God! I feel like at some point I'll tell the narwhal story to the to the listeners. And again, listeners, I mean Tristan's mother. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's 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 a good stopping point for now. I don't think we're going to get mm-hmm. any better, other than just I'm a fucking idiot. And uh, <laughs> feedback is feedback is a gift. Sometimes you don't want to get gifts, but you, they, they're there, and that's what mm-hmm. it is. And sometimes you have to remove yourself from the situation enough to where you can recognize that it's a gift. Maybe it's after you've deleted somebody's email and ruined their business. You know that person's now living down the street underneath the viaduct or whatever they call it. You know what I mean? Hey. Poor woman, you Ooh. put her out of you go too soon. No, no, it's okay because I also live in a in a in a van down by the river, so we can be we can be van dwelling buddies there on the go. side of the river and there fish together. It's, it all works out. All right. Well, if you have any feedback to give us, please feel free to rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us five stars or don't because that will hurt our feelings. Uh, shoot us an email at ourbigredpod at gmail.com. That is O-U-R, bigredpod at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you want, what you're thinking of uh, the, the stuff we're talking about, more or less the same. Let us know. Uh, and until we meet again, narwhals are real. wraps up another exciting episode of the Big Red Podcast. We hope you found our discussions valuable and entertaining. Whether you're working on the front line, aspiring to lead, or already are leading, we appreciate you joining us on this journey. We're here to support you every step of the way, providing tales of misadventures, inspiration, and hopefully a few laughs along the road. If you have any questions, stories to share, or topics you'd like us to cover, we would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at ourbigredpod at gmail.com. Again, that's O-U-R-bigredpod at gmail.com. And hey, if you've been enjoying our podcast, we would love if you would take a moment to follow, rate, and review our show on your favorite podcast platform. But only if it's nice because we're broken little children that can't handle that kind of rejection. Thank you for tuning into the Big Red Podcast. Until we meet again, remember to stay curious, keep making a positive impact, and always remember, narwhals are real. Narwhals are real.